Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, and I'm here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe on the A to Z Sports Podcast feed on iTunes and Spotify, wherever great podcasts are sold. We'll be dropping new episodes every Thursday morning. And if you subscribe, you'll be able to see every single episode the second that it goes live. So make sure you subscribe. Then also, uh, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. At Zach TNT is Zach over there. And at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Then Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. We're all over the social medias. And today's podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com. It's the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases, balls, home or away games for football, basketball, concerts at your favorite venues. And you can get all of those tickets with zero hidden fees at checkout, unlike the other sites that hit you up at every single turn for more money. And you can save an additional $10 off of every ticket purchase with the promo code AZ10. That's AZ10, TennesseeTickets.com. We thank them so much for sponsoring the show. And Zach, let's bring in. How are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you doing tonight? Doing okay. I'm, I've been a little under the weather this week. I got the, the East Tennessee coronavirus or something. Uh, but I got it together enough uh, to, to record here. And we got plenty to talk about. That is for sure. It's been another crazy week covering Tennessee sports, as it always is. Uh, There's no rest for the weary, no matter what. Uh, And almost all of the news this week, besides things that happened on the basketball court, were centered around coaching changes with the football team. And first and foremost, I would say uh, Tracy Rocker, the defensive line coach, uh, his, his contract was up for renewal. And Jeremy Pruitt decided not to renew that, probably, and he hopped over to South Carolina, although the story is going to be that he just left for South Carolina. Um, but uh, he, Jeremy Pruitt will be hiring Jimmy Brumbaugh from Colorado to be taking a rocker's place. And Zach, what did you think about this coaching change? Well, definitely wasn't surprised to see Rocker leave. I mean, that was kind of the rumor for before the season even ended that he'd probably be moving to an off the field role, retiring, moving on something. His recruiting really wasn't up to par. Uh, Going to South Carolina, that kind of surprised me because I mean, Will Muschamp is on the hot seat. You you can't imagine there's any stability there for rocker, but you know, maybe he just wants to go there for a year, wait till his son gets drafted in the MLB draft in year after next and go watch him play some baseball. But it wasn't shocking. I, I was kind of surprised that he hired, uh, who he hired, Jimmy Brumbaugh, who I, I really didn't know anything about before Pruitt hired him or is reportedly going to hire him. Uh, that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. Like you said, I, I wouldn't say overall too surprising. But yeah, that, that hire was kind of out of the blue because it, the way that it was kind of bang, bang. Well, let's run this back some. The Jimmy Brumbaugh hire is reported so far. Tennessee and the the official uh, news 
newswire out of UT has not announced the hire of Jimmy Brumbaugh. That has been the general understanding of the media uh, nationally and locally that Jimmy Brumbaugh will will be coming. Um, but yeah, he I don't want to say that he's a no name, but he's just a guy that's kind of kept his head down, worked his way up to where he was working with Mel Tucker out there at, at Colorado. He previously was at Kentucky uh, where he was defensive line coach, then at Maryland where he was the co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, and then at Colorado he had that same exact title, co-DC defensive line. You definitely have to think that Mel Tucker probably had a big hand out there at Colorado in in uh, the the defense. Um, but nonetheless, he, he has plenty of experience as a defensive line coach, and it's it's hard to to judge these guys, I would say, in my personal opinion, if you are crossing so many different conference lines. So like if if Pruitt had just hired a guy from another SEC team and you could look and you could say, man, that defensive line was good. That was SEC standard. But Kentucky, I don't know if you ever want to call anything Kentucky does real SEC standard. Maryland is way off the map in a lot of ways. And Colorado, the Pac-12, is certainly not known uh, for its defensive standards. Um, but what do you think about that element of this? I think. Yeah, he doesn't really have a, a huge track record you can look at. I know he's coached several guys that have made it to the NFL, Bud Dupree, Zadarius Smith, Chandler Jones, but I don't know what kind of hand he had in their development. I think the one connection with him that that is the reason he got hired at Tennessee is uh, Derek Ansley. Him and Derek Ansley worked together at Kentucky there for a couple of years so maybe Pruitt is looking for some sort of continuity maybe this is more Ansley than Pruitt making this hire maybe Pruitt's letting go of the reins a little bit there maybe you know that he, he let him go find his own guy if that's the case then I understand you know wanting to keep some sort of continuity on the defense especially as they progressed last year certainly and with just with how many coaching changes there have been, you want to try to find something that is at least going to have a semblance of, of continuity, like you're saying. Uh, and, and maybe Brumball will be it if he shares a lot of the same uh, mentality as Ansley does, hopefully. And um, yeah, what little I've I would seen, say, he does seem more energetic, more, more so than rocker. So, Hey, that's good. Recruiting should go, should go better. Yes. And, and that's a, a huge part of this. I think, Rocker, in his, I, I don't know exactly the age that he was, but he is not a, a spring chicken <laughs> by any means. And Jimmy Brumbaugh, Brumbaugh is a, a pretty young guy. Uh, I, I think you would get more more energy, more oomph behind recruiting efforts with a younger guy just because I mean, recruiting is, is a young man's game. Uh, I, I think there is no coincidence that you see a guy like Brian Niedermeyer really excelling at it with his kind of youthfulness. Um, if for nothing else, relating to kids and, and understanding exactly where they're coming from, where an, an older person is probably not as good at that on top of maybe not having the energy that it takes to be traveling all over God's green earth to go track these, these guys down. So I think, yeah, I don't you, think for, Rocker, first look, go ahead. He never loved, he, I don't think Rocker ever loved being a college coach anyway. You know, he wanted, to, he wanted to get to the NFL. He went to the Titans was there for a few years and kind of got kicked back to the college game. I think he always kind of wanted, which a lot of coaches do, you know, they don't want to mess with recruiting. I, I understand. I I can imagine how taxing that would be constantly, you know, having to 
chase down 17 and 18 year olds and, and make them <laughs> want to commit. Yeah, especially if, if your aspirations are to be in the NFL, it is a completely different game. Uh, th- there's no doubt about that. I did want to see, let's see, last year, Tennessee had 34 sacks. And of course, this is not the be all end all in terms of talking about your defensive line uh, production, but 34 sacks, you know, y- y- you look at, uh, you know, in, in Derek Barnett's career, he had 33 sacks. <laughs> so, so maybe that's not the best number in America. <clears throat> I don't know exactly where, where it ranks, but maybe that, that can be brought up just, I, I think more than anything, like we're talking about recruiting and getting guys in here that are going to work hard and, and make those sacks is probably your biggest uh, advantage that Brumbach could bring in. But nonetheless, we could, we could talk all day about what theoretically Jimmy Brumbaugh might do. But I think one interesting element out of his entire deal is the time that he spent at Maryland. I'm kind of surprised that this really hasn't come up and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Cause I don't think there's a, a lot to talk about here, but he was there with the very controversial staff of, of DJ Durkin that ended up having a, a player pass away under their watch. Uh, do you think that there is any, any, I don't even know what you would call it. I don't think that there's any concern necessarily, but is there anything really to talk about there, Zach? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's notable that he was attached to that staff that was described as toxic, you know, the whole staff. Brumbaugh's name was never mentioned specifically in anything I read about the staff, but he's still attached to it. You know, what happened with, with Jordan McNair happened in the summer, kind of with the strength and conditioning coaches. So he was kind of removed from that, but the culture at Maryland at the time was was not good. So, you know, who knows how big of a part he played in, in that whole culture, but it is something that that's notable. Yeah, that that's pretty much exactly how I feel about it. There was nothing specifically pointing at, at Brumball that he might be a problem. And uh, I, I do wonder if there is any element of uh, regret of any kind because he was attached to Mel Tucker and Mel Tucker got a giant payday. Um, I would say a payday he doesn't deserve even <laughs> from from Michigan State and maybe Brumbaugh could have gone with him to Michigan State and maybe gotten uh, you know some of that cash. Uh, I'm sure he will be well compensated at Tennessee, make no mistake. But uh, that was an interesting development that essentially right after, I guess maybe one or two days after this announcement came out that Brumbaugh was coming to Tennessee, uh, that Mel Tucker is headed to Michigan State. But that's really neither here nor there. What? One other thing about Brumbaugh that is has really nothing to do with how he'll succeed at Tennessee, but I found interesting is that he played in the original XFL for the Birmingham Ooh. Thunderbirds. So you don't you don't hear about many people from the original XFL. Maybe Jeff Brom, but uh, I thought yeah. that was interesting. Jeff Brom probably being the most uh, famous among them, uh, but that that is interesting. I I kind of wish that I was still over there day to day covering the team. I would love to ask him about that. <laughs> If we ever got the chance. Yeah. Um, there's some old XFL stores. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's one of the most interesting things that, you know, has happened kind of in, in sports in my lifetime. Um, but uh, beyond that, there was other news uh, besides Rocker and, and the Brumbaugh news. Drew Hughes, the director of player personnel, is headed to South Carolina with Rocker. And that's a real recruiting centric position. Uh, no real indication yet as to who is going to take 
uh, his place, but uh, do you think that there is any amount of concern there for Tennessee? That's an important position. I, I mean, again, kind of like with Rocker, I'm, I'm, I know Hughes has his connections to Muschamp and, and probably deeper connections than he has to Pruitt, but, you know, South Carolina is kind of a sinking ship right now. I just don't see Muschamp there long-term. You know, 4-8 and eight last year, everybody in the SEC East, aside from Vanderbilt and, and Missouri, is really kind of on the rise right now, and, and South Carolina could get left behind, so... You know, I, it is perplexing to see Hughes go there, not knowing that if he has a long-term future there or not. So yeah, that was probably the the weirdest move to me, just because there had been so much momentum for Tennessee in recruiting, and to see a guy uh, jump ship like that. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder what exactly might have been going on behind the scenes. There was there a difference of opinion with Pruitt? Did Pruitt kind of say? you leave or we're leaving you kind of a thing. I, I don't want to, I have no, no evidence of that at all, but just the nature of it, like you're, you're mentioning, it's a weird move because Pruitt's on the up, Muschamp's on the down. Um, and, and I don't know why you would jump off something that looks like it's going places for something that is probably not going anywhere. <laughs> That's yeah. And we don't, yeah, we don't know if Pruitt tried to keep him, if he encouraged him to look around, you know, we, that, that's yeah, not maybe. something we know. So, no, uh, but nonetheless, that also happened. And then you have in what is, in my opinion, probably the the quietest but best hire that has happened for Tennessee in this offseason. Chip Long, the former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, is being brought in as an analyst. And I think the an offensive analyst. I, I love this. This is a saving move. Uh, you know, Chip Long, he, he got fired back in December, had... Uh, fallen out with Brian Kelly, whatever might have happened there. You know, they didn't have the best season ever offensively. Uh, but to bring him in as an analyst and kind of tack him on to the staff without actually technically bringing him on to the staff, I think it's a it's a genius move by Pruitt. He he takes Joe Osevet's place, who Osevet is now the tight ends coach for, for Tennessee. It allows Long to, to kind of get his image back together before jumping back into a big boy. Uh, coaching position. I, I love this. Yeah, I think it's, you know, these analyst roles are really important. I think uh, we kind of, we've seen it with Alabama. LSU is utilizing the analyst as, re- as well. Uh, Jorge Munoz was key for LSU last year. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow even brought him to the Heisman, you know, ceremony as an analyst. You don't really hear about that. Now he's the, I think he's the passing game coordinator at Baylor now. But these guys, you know, they help game plan. They help break down film. They help, you know, install a game plan for a specific opponent, and they're not hindered by having to be a position coach. I mean, they can focus on game planning, and I think Chip Long is really going to help Tennessee's offense next year. Yeah, I do too, and and that's why it is really just so sly and, and smart, I think, in a lot of ways to bring in a guy like that who's just another uh, solid offensive mind and you just get uh you know there there are staff limits for anybody that doesn't know you can only hire so many true staff members uh and and Brute is essentially hiring hiring staff member a guy who was at one of the the top teams in america this last year just looking at some of their their offensive stats here for notre dame yes he got fired but also they scored 37 points a game uh let's see 
Um, total offense was uh, the these numbers are they they had five thousand six hundred and five yards of total offense. I need it broken out by by game. I'm just looking at CFB stats here of everything that they had, but largely it's not like they were some chump <laughs> offensively. Uh, I think there there was a little bit of uh, heads clashing uh, between Chip Long and, and Brian Kelly and, you know, whatever that happens. Um, but yeah, I, he's had plenty of success. I mean, he's a Mike Norville guy. He's with him at yeah. Memphis and Arizona State. I mean, so he's the RPOs trying to take shots downfield out of an RPO. I mean, that's kind of his thing. And, and that works well with Jim Chaney's offense, too. So I think they should fit well together. I mean, we can we can just look. Notre Dame had the forty fourth overall uh, team in total offense this year. Let's see where Tennessee was. Uh, 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 uh. I feel like I'm I'm looking right over it, or maybe t- oh no, I wasn't. I just hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> Tennessee <laughs> was number one hundred. <laughs> so I, you know, you're you're bringing in a guy who who, uh, you know, Brian Kelly is an offensive guy, and I'm sure Brian Kelly had a huge hand in, in the offense at Notre Dame last year. But nonetheless, you know, a, a guy who was technically the offensive coordinator for the, the 44th overall uh, offense last year, and, you know, you produced the 100th overall offense. So, I don't know. I, I don't see any way that there can almost be any downside to that unless he does clash with other coaches or something like that. But nonetheless, he's not an on-the-field coach, so it doesn't matter that much. Uh, I think it's a win for everybody. Yeah, I think he's, you know, him and Brian Kelly apparently didn't get along that well. I'm not, I mean, I, maybe their similar, their personalities were too similar. I mean, I've heard, I've heard people say that Chip Long was demanding. I mean, that's what I think of when I, when I see Brian Kelly out there. So maybe they just clashed a little too much, but yeah, offensively he did great there. He he wouldn't have got fired if it wasn't for whatever was going on between them. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, what what comes of that and hopefully it just builds Tennessee's offense. Lord knows they need the help. Hundredth overall offense last year. <laughs> um but the the coaching hires didn't stop there. And I, honestly we're only about halfway through everything uh, that's happened in the last couple of weeks in terms of coaching changes and uh Chris Rumpf goes to the Texans. He was the outside linebackers coach and he's headed to the NFL and reportedly Shelton Felton will be taking rump spot. Zach, what do you think about this move? This is another one of those moves where Pruitt's not hiring a big name to replace, you know, an open spot. But, you know, he knows Felton. He was a uh, graduate assistant or a quality quality control coach at Tennessee in 2018. He trusted him enough in 2018 that when Tyson Helton left for Western Kentucky that he put him out on the road recruiting um, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience at, at the college level. He was at Akron this past season. I think he's at UT Chattanooga, was a linebacker's coach there. But he kind of has a background similar to Pruitt's. He coached in high school. He was a head coach in Georgia. So he's obviously going to have some recruiting connections in Georgia. He played at Troy. Oddly enough, Tracy Rocker was his position coach one year at Troy. So that's a weird huh. little connection. Yeah. Uh, but uh, see, he was uh, the Georgia sports writer coach of the year in 2016. You know, he took a team from three and seven to 13 and one. So, so he knows, he knows how to coach football. Yeah, you would, you'd think so with, with that kind of background. I, I mean, 
it, it seems like another sort of move that falls into the pattern that Jeremy Pruitt has shown. He's always thinking about the Jimmys and Joes. And Shelton Felton, yeah, he, he doesn't have the a, a laundry list of a, of a resume of places that he's been coaching outside linebackers. I mean, he was coaching outside linebackers at Akron. But uh, it's all about the recruiting, baby. You know, you, you bring these guys in uh, who are going to go out and be energetic on, on the recruiting trail and really get after it and have connections as Felton seems to have. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, he... He is, in some sense, really using the the Nick Saban playbook there because I think you can just see with Nick Saban, you get all these six-star guys in there, and it translate to, translates to wins. You know, a, a lot of people like to say that, oh, the stars don't matter. Yeah, probably between three and four stars, but if you can get guys who are bona fide five stars, who are, who are future superstars, it, it makes a difference. And so I think this is yet another play that in a lot of ways is really meant for the recruiting trail uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt is all over that. His, his fingerprints are all over that defense, no matter who the coach is going to be. Um, and, and so I, I think it, it really kind of follows what Pruitt is doing. And, and I'll, I'll bring up this point, And I saw, I believe it was Wes Rucker wrote a, an article about this, that these quick, you know, co- coaches leaving, and another coach coming in not even a day later in some of these cases, it really shows that Jeremy Pruitt has a plan, that he has a vision in mind, that he's not, you know, with the, the offensive coordinator last year, it seemed like he might have scrambled some and just ended up with the best name. But in these cases, I I think he, he really was thinking maybe, all right, let's go ahead and get some fresh blood in here, and this is the way that we, we can do it, no? I think I think part of his plan too is uh you know trying to get a a coach that'll stay for maybe two maybe even three years um you're not going to get much more than that out of, of a position coach typically I mean sometimes you do Jay Graham will probably be, probably probably be long term Jim Chaney will probably be there a while but a lot of times you know these guys are looking for the next job they're looking to advance to the NFL so maybe he's hoping, you know, he gives Felton his first real shot at a Power 5 school. Maybe he'll stick around for a couple of years and provide some continuity on the defense. It would be nice and because that seems to be the thing now. If you have a team that is even decent, you have coaches jumping ship left and right. Uh, and that – Yeah, I mean, you know, they have – we had uh, Tennessee, I think we've seen, what, seven coaches leave. They have – one coach that's coaching the same position that he was in 2018, that's Will Friend, the offensive wow. line. Uh, they have three coaches remaining, and Niedermeyer's moved to linebackers, and, and Chris Winkie has moved from running backs to quarterbacks, and that's it, you know, for the on-the-field coaches. Huh. I Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about that, but that is definitely true. They, there has been so much shuffling in this staff. And that's uh, normal. It, it is that that's really what college college football has has become. Uh, and I hope that that gets translated to recruits because there is definitely an element of some guys that were coming in, you know, had been directly recruited by guys that are going out by coaches that are going out. Um, and, and I think I hope it does get translated to recruits now that the guy that recruits you is probably not going to be there by the time you graduate. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't commit to a coach. That's what they like yes, to say. Yes, exactly. 
commit to the school, commit to, to the vision, the overall vision of what is being sold to you. Uh, and of course, as Butch would say, uh, commit to build your brand. You know, you got to do that too. (laughs) But, uh, to, to round out all of, of the coaching news and just bring it, bring it all together. So yeah, Tracy Rocker replaced by Jimmy Brumbaugh. Drew Hughes headed to South Carolina. Don't know who's going to replace him yet. Chit Long coming in as an analyst. Chris Rumpf headed to the Texans. Shelton Felton reportedly coming in in his place. Kevin Shearer, the inside linebackers coach, headed to the Giants. Then Brian Niedermeyer moved over from tight ends and is going to inside linebackers. Then Joe Osevet is coming up from being a quality control analyst, and he's going to coach the tight ends. And then David Johnson... He jumped ship a couple of weeks ago to go to Florida State and be with Mike Norvell. And uh, then Jay Graham came from Texas A&M, the, the old Tennessee star Jay Graham, who is now a renowned recruiter and, of course, running backs coach, comes to Tennessee. But even these coaches leaving in Tennessee, making a really nice hire in their place, even that cannot be controversy-free when you're covering the Tennessee Volunteers because David Johnson goes... And this week, made some comments that Tennessee fans were none too happy about. So he was at a Florida State, I think it was a recruiting event. It was um, something with boosters or recruiting. Yeah, events, something, something like that. You know, yeah, one of those things where it's like pay a thousand bucks, come meet the coach or whatever. Um, and here, here's what he had to say when speaking of Tennessee. This is just a short snippet. There is a whole context of this where he says this but uh quote i went there tennessee uh for two years and it didn't fit me it's hard for me to recruit somewhere where i don't really trust what's going on i trust mike norvell folks we're not happy about this and no. and me i mean what y- you also have to look that david johnson in his kind of exit interviews that he did was just praising, oh, Jeremy Pruitt's doing great things, and I just had to, you know, oh, I had to go to FSU, blah, 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 whatever else. Um, but what did you think of those comments before we move on to the comments, the sort of his apology tour that he went on afterwards? Yeah, you know, as soon as I heard the comments, I was just like, you know, that does not sound good at all. Uh, and, you know, we write stuff coaches say all the time and every now and then I get accused of taking something out of context and there was no way to take that in any other context than what it was I mean he said what he said there's no other nothing else it can mean you know he I did not it's hard for me to recruit when I don't trust what's going on you know I don't know how else you can take that and now I think he was probably trying to fire up a crowd and probably didn't think about it being recorded and getting out there I don't think he would have said those same comments and to you know a, a outlet that was interviewing him because you saw with his comments with the athletic i mean he he praised pruitt the whole program said nothing but great things and i didn't get the vibe from him at all that he left because he didn't like what was going on there i mean they they counter offered to keep him he he mm-hmm. he told uh volquest and austin price that it was a tough decision to make for, for him and his family. So uh, yeah. it, it was definitely odd. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much how I felt where I was kind of like, really is, is this what we're really going to do after how you portrayed the Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt treated you? But nonetheless, David Johnson uh, gets an invite from my former employer 
Jason Swain over there at the the Swain event, a radio show here in Knoxville. If you don't uh, live in Knoxville, Jason hosts a, a radio show that I used to co-host with him. Um, and uh, so Johnson agrees to go on to the show to try to better explain himself. And here is a snippet of what he said on there. Quote, first of all, Probably the way I said it, it wasn't in a good light, but it was no intent on Tennessee or anybody else. I just did interviews saying how I enjoyed being at Tennessee, and how I enjoyed the process, and that's what I want to apologize for, for the way it came out. I've never been a coach to take a shot at anybody. I don't gain anything with that. Everywhere I've been, I've always been a good guy on the field and off. Uh, got along with everybody in the building. That's why I'm glad you reached out to me so I can explain my side of it. And then he goes on. Uh, I was just saying, I trust the process everywhere I've been. I've shown that every coach I've been with, I trust the process and whatever vision they had, I was able to recruit. That's the same thing I did at Tennessee. That's the same thing I said about Pruitt in those interviews. This guy helped me more than most people even know. So what do you think about his, uh, I, it's not, I guess it's not, yeah. In a pot, well, yeah, he does say, I want to apologize, yeah, but what did you really, think of his apology? Yeah. He didn't really explain the comment, no, he but didn't. I, I mean, again, there's no way to explain it, it is what it is. There's there's no way you can even twist it. I think Johnson's probably a, a pretty good guy. I think, like I said, I think he got caught up in the moment and at a recruiting event or whatever it was, maybe trying to raise some money. I don't know, but I don't, I don't think he meant it the way. It came out. I think it was a poor choice of words, but he has to understand that there's always cameras. Somebody's going to hear those comments. They're going to get played, repeated. Uh, you know, I, I think he's an up and up guy. I don't think he deserves necessarily all the slander that's come his way from fans on social media. But he, you know, what do you expect when you say something like that? It's not going to be. It's not going to go over well. Yeah. That, that- I, I feel very similarly. I think he got caught up in whatever moment was happening at that that particular event, made whatever comments he did to kind of, you know, get the crowd going a little bit, get them behind him. And uh, and ultimately, I, I think this is pretty much meaningless. I, I can say this. I know that he will learn his lesson. He's not going to say anything like that again. You know, you do this once, you have to go and apologize. And you, yeah, you, you probably end up not, not doing. I mean, anything he spent two like years at again. Tennessee. He should have. He should know how passionate fans are, and that they're gonna Ugh. latch onto that. And and it's not just gonna. Oh, I mean, nobody cares. Everybody's gonna care. It's so so brutal. You. Can, I mean, you can't say almost anything because I. I even find my own experience, and I'm sure you experience this also, on on Twitter. I mean, I can't even reply to somebody without potentially somebody seeing it and, and swinging in and saying, ah, you know, wrong. You're, you're an idiot. Oh, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. Know? It's funny that you mentioned that because I have a, a kind of funny story about that. If uh, a couple of weeks ago I, I wrote about Tracy rocker, you know, possibly moving on. And it, I mean, there's comment after comment on, especially on Facebook. That, that's the worst. I think. Because uh, they have a lot more space to tell you what an idiot you are, and, and everybody's like, "This guy's has no clue what he's talking about." And then you know, and maybe I don't, I don't know. But two weeks later, the move happens, and all of a sudden, it's yeah, look at these moves Pruitt's making. This is 
you know, look at this guy. He's making all the right moves. I'm like, you know, two weeks ago, I was the biggest idiot on, uh, on Facebook here. So <laughs> it's funny how that works. It really, it really is moment to moment. I mean, if I had, I would say this, if I had a nickel for every time somebody on Facebook has said, I either need to be fired or then I'm an idiot, I would be a rich man. And then also ad- additionally, if I had, you know, a nickel for every time somebody on Facebook has told me like, Oh, it's a great article. You're great. Like, they, you know, it's totally, it, it's almost like you tint, you see those comments and, and they're there, they happen, but you skip right over those and go right to the negative one and just every time. It. And it's like, what, it, what is, <laughs> what is up with this person? Why do why do they feel this way? What is, I don't know how that, why that works that way, but I find myself doing that too often yeah. sometimes. You, you could have a hundred people saying, this is the best opinion. What a great thing that you wrote or said or whatever but if there's that one person that's like i think it was dumb you're always you always notice that one person oh yeah <laughs> that said it was dumb uh it, it is what it is but nonetheless we would not be able to do what we do without the amazing passion of the tennessee fans they're the reason that this whole thing uh exists frankly so we we appreciate everybody can continue hey if we say something stupid call us idiots we oh, know i can take it it's okay yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we wouldn't sometimes do this I need it. Sometimes that's, I mean, I've had some pretty bad takes. So I'm, I'll admit <laughs> it. Happens. So, yes. I, I have many, many times over. Uh, so yeah, it, that just is what it is when you're in this line of work. But, uh, nonetheless, it's kind of on the same note of, of coaching, hiring and firing. I did just want to throw this in uh i guess i i would have to find this tweet uh but um i think we brought this dude up last week to sec mike whoever it is mike bratton um he said today and it brought up just kind of an interesting talking point he said mel tucker is set to make around 5.5 million dollars in 2020 after going five and seven at colorado Jeremy Pruitt is scheduled to make $3.8 million in 2020. Tennessee doesn't need to break the bank or anything, but should some commitment, but should show, but should some more or anything, but should some more commitment to its coach this offseason is worded a little bit wrong. I think he's saying should show some more commitment to his coach. Um, and I, I had some comments about it uh, on, on that note, but I'll, I'll save mine for after we hear from you, Zach, what do you think about those, those comments concerning Pruitt? Extensions and and raises are so strange in college football. Now it's almost like you either fire the coach or you give them more money. There is no in between. There is no, let's play out this contract and, and see how it works out. I think Pruitt did a good job. Um, I think he's doing what they hired him to do. I mean, you, you, you go five and seven, you go eight and five, you're getting better. I mean, that's what they expected. It's not like he came out and went 12 and two or something, but I do think he's probably going to get a raise just because that's how it goes in college football now. And maybe, you know, maybe it should, maybe they should, because let's face it. If Pruitt can, if, if he continues to build the program and, and say they do, you know, Tennessee does end up winning 11 or 12 games one year or, you know, and Nick Saban retires, you know, that, that question is going to be there. And if they take care of Pruitt early, 
show commitment to him, maybe he'll remember that. I mean, that's way down the road, obviously. It may never happen, but that is something to think about. Yeah, I I definitely un- understand all all of that. But I so I'm a I'm an economics guy. I love I love the stock market. I I studied accounting at the University of Tennessee when I went there. Um and I just I I think the the financial environment of NCAA football is very, very interesting, and I think not in a in a great way. And I'm not about to go on a rant about paying college football players. That's a whole other discussion. But specifically when it comes to coaches, right now, if you look at it, coaches are, in, in a lot of ways, totally overpaid. There are some coaches who aren't paid enough. When you look at the actual economics, Nick Saban is underpaid. Grossly, actually. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally, he, yeah. he's, yeah, he's the CEO of a corporation essentially that produces hundreds of millions of dollars. But in, in the same way, there are a lot of coaches that stink at <laughs> what they do, and they're making a lot of money. I'm not saying that Pruitt stinks. He certainly doesn't. He won eight games this year. That's cool. But to me, Pruitt is still very much in kind of a, a show me stage of his career where I personally, I still need to see more. Yes. He may remember down the road. Hey, you know, they gave me that, that vote of confidence early on and I made something of myself and I'm going to appreciate them for that vote of confidence later on down the road. That very well may be the case or Tennessee may jump on an eight and five season and then Pruitt doesn't turn out, to, to do so hot on down the road. And then you gave a big extension to a coach who didn't really deserve it. And you overpaid a coach who didn't really deserve it. And I think right now, and again, this is a huge conversation that I could go into, frankly, for hours. I love this kind of stuff, but uh, right, right now coaches across college football are, are really, overpaid and artificially they have artificially high salaries i mean you look michigan state was desperate and they're paying mel tucker so much more than he's worth mel tucker may end up being excellent i don't know but the dude was a defensive coordinator two years ago yeah they definitely reached on that i mean there's no yes. doubt i mean they so much he you're right he might be a good head coach but we have no idea yeah. no idea and five point five million for a guy that just went five and seven. I mean, he he might just be a good defensive coordinator. He might be like Brent Venables at Clemson. Who knows that that's his role? He's a defensive coordinator. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's good at. I mean, how many great defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators have we seen fail as head coaches? I mean, there's no guarantee just because you're a good defensive coordinator that you're going to make a good head coach. Yeah, it's it's complete insanity when it. That particular number with Mel Mel Tucker, I don't get it. I think it was just a reactionary move by Michigan State, and he had no choice but to leave Colorado for that kind of money. Oh I mean, yeah, that's a absolutely. How can you be mad at the guy? I mean, you can't turn that down. No, and anybody that got indignant about him leaving Colorado, come and talk to me when somebody slaps down a five point five million dollar offer on the table for you, exactly, and, and and tell me that you're oh well, I'm morally upstanding. I'll I have to stay where I'm at. No. No, you don't. Yeah. You're yeah, going to leave for $5.5 million. People, yeah, people will forget about this in a week. It'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, if, if you pass that up, I would, like, people who are calling him 
Like, oh, well, he said that he was going to stay in a tweet last week, and that's not right. Well, I think that's, if you would choose to stay in the face of that offer, you're stupid. I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody uh, posed the question. You know, he, he was there for one year. said, well, when is it okay to leave a job? One year, two years, five years? What, when, when is it acceptable? Like, I've been here long enough. I can leave for more money now. It's the same either way. Yeah, and that it it's certainly I oh, I was gonna say something and I I don't want to get too too much down the road. It's a little bit of a double standard that the coaches can move around wherever they want. Oh, it is, but players think, can't. I and, think I I think I saw this uh, somewhere earlier today that that Mel Tucker just a few weeks or months ago said something negative about the transfer transfer portal and how it works. It's like that is kind of you know. Let the players transfer if they want to. Super coach, especially in a situation like this. Like whoever signed at Colorado in December or last week, they should be free to go wherever they want right now. I mean, yeah. they shouldn't be. You know, I like we said, you don't commit to a coach, but you should still. I mean, that is a big part of the process, obviously, a big part of the the decision. So they should be free to go to wherever they want to go. I think. I mean. Yeah, if, if nothing else, that is an extraordinary situation because you you certainly think you're going to play for a coach who's coming off a five and seven season, and, I, and I'm sure that he sold to the players coming in. Hey, I'm building something here. Come and play for me, and, and you're going to be the guys that win ten games with me. And and they completely got the rug pulled out from under them. That's insane. And and so I am in complete uh, agreement there. I think that they should be be let out and be able to play wherever they want next year. <sighs> Frankly, anybody should be able to do that. If regular college co- students can change colleges and play whenever they want, so should athletes be able to. But yeah, it seems like it's people get heated way, over yeah. that stuff. I yeah. Uh, and and you can have what, whatever opinion you want. That's just my that's my opinion. Everybody's got one, you know. Um. But that, that is a little bit beside the point. Getting back to what we were talking about with Pruitt, to me, in my, in my opinion, just salaries right now in college football are artificially high. Now, in the SEC, where they just make insane amounts of money, the coaches are all probably technically underpaid right now. But it's it's still... It's just tough for me to say that a guy... Who is I? Thirteen and twelve in two seasons. Yeah, I one think. game over. One game over. Yes. five hundred. One game over five hundred. It's just hard for me to look at that situation and say, "Yep, let's give that guy uh, a big raise, big extension. He definitely deserves it." Yeah, he well, does. He's he's doing it. I mean, if anything, he's really do. He's done. You know, fans might not 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 like to hear this, but he's done the bare minimum of what he was expected to do. Yeah, you come in, you go five and seven. That's a little bit better. Than, than the four and eight from 2017 and you turn around and you know after starting one and four you finish eight and five I mean that's that's progress it's it's better than Butch's second year but I mean that's any any less than that and he's underachieving yeah and I mean let me fully clarify here I think Jeremy Pruitt is doing good things I think he is moving in the right direction I like what he's doing I like the culture that he's created I like the things that he says when he when he speaks publicly about his team, and obviously, uh, I I like the results on the field this last season. Besides the you know the losses to Georgia State, Georgia State, and BYU, but whatever. Um, 
But in, in Ewan's season, in yeah, he's moving year, the right direction for sure. Yes, it, exactly. And by the way, if you can hear sirens out my window, there's like uh, folks who listen to this tomorrow in Knoxville. No, there's a thunderstorm warning right now, like a really bad one with hail and stuff. And there's police right outside my window for some reason. If you can hear that, I apologize. But anyway, um, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I just uh, at the end of the day, I'm a wait and see guy. I want to see the real results with Jeremy Pruitt, which I think in this third year, I think he can totally earn it. And so but, I, I'd go but ahead. Be, because of the landscape, Tennessee is not going to be a trendsetter and wait. I don't think, I think they're going to give him the money and Mel Tucker. I think it accelerates that. I do too. Uh, it, as much as I can, I can bloviate as much as I want about how I, I don't think Tennessee should, should pay up too much because salaries are artificially inflated and all yada yada. You know, I can say that that much. I think he's going to end up getting getting a raise in the next year. They're going to give him even more money if he has a good year. And you're, you're just kind of if if you give him something big, even decently big this year, you're just really setting yourself up to have to pay a lot. I know. About the time he that, wins. Yeah. If he, <laughs> he wins finished. 10 games this next year, boy, you you know, and you paid him oh, a million beat, extra yeah. to win eight. Let him let him be Oklahoma on the road and t- win ten games next year and exactly he'll, he'll pretty much just write whatever number down he wants at that point. Yeah, shell especially yeah. shell out ten, especially as long as it's been for a ten win season. What two thousand seven? You know, it's been forever. I uh, no, I don't. <sighs> I have to go back. And look. I mean, they made the SEC championship game, but I don't know if they. Did they win the bowl game that year? I don't know. Uh, was that the Wisconsin years that they? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I don't want to speak. People jump on you if you say the wrong thing. Oh yeah, somebody's uh, yelling it right now. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, it was. I was there, and yeah, it was. They went, this. they went ten and four in 2007, and they okay, played okay, in the Outback yeah. Bowl. So nine and four in the regular they, season. Yes, they beat Wisconsin in yeah. the Outback Bowl. So. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but but yeah, either way, that's you know that's my two cents on that. And let's talk. Let's we we're we're coming up on an hour here. Just want to wrap it up with some basketball talk. Tennessee last night laid the wood to Arkansas, smacked them right across the face, 82-61 win. And and Arkansas objectively played like garbage in this game, but at the same time, Tennessee had to play well to take advantage of Arkansas playing like garbage. And they did. And more than anything, one young man, Santiago Vescovi, scored 20 points, eight assists to three turnovers and a rebound. That young man is coming up and he's coming up fast. And it's really exciting to see. Uh, what do you think of the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Vescovi is, you know, definitely what stands out. I mean, he's the kid's a star. I mean, and. I'm so glad that Rick Barnes chose to let him play this year. I mean, I know he was kind of forced to because of Turner, but I think it's really just going to help him develop into next year. I mean, we've already seen huge strides. I think he turned the ball over 21 times his first three games. He's only turned the ball over seven times the last three games, so he's made huge strides there. But, you know, they played great defense last night. They were able to score. Yeah, that's kind of what you were expecting to see after that Kansas game. I feel like was was this type of basketball. 
Yes. And one other, th- yeah, I think Barnes, it, it, I noticed he's, you know, really working, searching to try to find the right combination too. I mean, we saw some different stuff last night that he tried. Y- yes. And, and that's, that's good because it's whatever it's been, it hasn't been working great this entire season. And I, you know, you just wanted to see some things change. And, and last night was really the ideal game for Tennessee, in my opinion, because you had role-playing guys really step up. You had Jalen Johnson and Olivier Kamwa. Kamwa had 10 points, uh, 10 points, six rebounds, easily the best game that he's played, played for Tennessee. 19 minutes, too, so it's all, yeah, a lot of you he, know, significant He was minutes. efficient, yeah, and, and after kind of looking timid, Jalen Johnson comes in, uh, and and scores only four points, but was just a really good role player in that game. Didn't do anything stupid. Played smart basketball. Played good defense. Helped keep uh, Mason Jones in check. Exactly, and and he he was huge in that game. You also you're getting really hard minutes. He's he's not he's still not contributing a ton. Scored six points, uh, but seven rebounds for Devonte Gaines. And he he's getting a lot of minutes in the last few games, rightfully so, because he's just playing really, really hard. Love what I'm seeing out of that kid. Um, and the the only real thing that's still disappointing uh, is Euros Plavsic is just still he's just yeah, he was, he's yeah, weak, what, man. Played four minutes last night. I mean, that was yeah. Trying to Arkansas and, plays more guards, but yeah, and just your. Euros, you even saw him come in at the end. He got garbage minutes. Tennessee was up by 25 at the end of the game, and they threw him in the game with, you know, the uh, the bench riders, and he still got blocked, <laughs> even in that <laughs> even in that short amount of time. Yeah, he, he shouldn't went be up for a dunk. He is. That's... Yes, and it's it stinks because he is huge. You want to see him push guys around. I mean, he he's huge. He looks really cut. You just, if you looked at him, you'd say like, man, I bet that guy is dominant down low. Uh, he, he looks, honestly, he looks really similar to the guys that Purdue had for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Just those big old grass fed monsters down low, you know, and he, he looks exactly like that. And then he goes out there and he just plays timid basketball. Hopefully he comes out of that. Hopefully Barnes. It, it's hard for me to almost believe that because Barnes created such a tough culture. With, with Admiral and Grant. I mean, Grant would grind so hard down low, just pushing guys around, using his his low center of gravity to just, you know, get in the right position on nearly every uh, every possession. And Euros is really, I mean, he's half a foot taller than Grant and can't get a rebound. It, it's tough to watch, frankly, uh, and I hate it because he could really, really contribute to this team if he if he would get some, I, I don't want to say toughness. I'm sure he's a tough kid. It's more just strength and, you know, ability to go at the rim with some oomph. Um, but leaving that behind, I mean, that was a nearly perfect game as far as this team is concerned. And it's so exciting to see Santiago Vescovi, uh, the way that he's been playing and and really coming up in these games i even i ran a poll last night i said he's playing so well that he needs a nickname and i had some suggestions let's see i ran a poll i said uh the these were the best suggestions that i got if you have any suggestions at charlie underscore burris at uh zach tnt on twitter i got the flying uruguayan tango which i did not know 
uh, is a, a beautiful dance that was created in Uruguay. So there's that. Um, oh, Obi Wan Vescovi, great one. Uh, and good, then, yeah, that has a good. Yeah. To it. <laughs> and then the Lethal Latin, uh, also good. Uh, but Obi Wan Vescovi won the poll on Twitter, fifty three percent. the The next highest was twenty two percent for the Lethal Latin. I mean, I I personally I love the Flying Uruguayan. That one's great. But uh, maybe Obi Wan Vescovi, he's using the Force all over the court, man. Uh, I saw just, some some people on Facebook suggesting Vol Scovi, and I, I I'm not sure that uh, has quite the. I mean, I get it, but yeah, yeah. it's yeah, you know, I, like that's that's good. But I think we could we could up it. There, there were definitely some when I just took suggestions. There were definitely a few more that that were really great. Like I said, at Charlie underscore Burris at uh, Zach TNT. Let us know if you have any more. But yeah, I want uh, something I can write in an article that flows. That, that's what I look for in a nickname. <laughs> how I can work that in there? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, the the bottom line is here for for the basketball team. Uh, can this continue? Can they bring this heat? to South Carolina on Saturday because they're they're going to need it and and let's yeah, just Jordan kind of Bowden's ass- still not himself either I mean I know he's yeah. 16 points last night but it was almost I almost felt like his performance was like a like a starting pitcher that doesn't really have his stuff and just battles through like six innings gives up nine or ten hits but gets a win or something you know Bowden just kind of grounded it out scored 16 points i think he he hit a couple of what three threes last night 37 i think but he's still not himself i don't don't know what that's about why it's lasted this long but he he's still struggling a little yeah and and if he could really come out of his shell and night in and night out really come to play that changes the team completely just to have a guy that that is that dynamic he's so quick getting to the basket and and really strong going up. I mean, genuinely, he's really strong going at the rim, and and he can just, completely yeah, change just, the game. Shots just aren't falling for him. I mean, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason. It's just terrible luck, really. Yeah, seven to sixteen last night, which is not you know not terrible, but still, um, for a guy who you kind of think would be a sharpshooter, it's still not ideal. Uh, but. If they can continue, they play South Carolina on Saturday. I, I've kind of said, I think if Tennessee can hold the hemorrhaging down to two more losses and throw in a win over Auburn to end the season, I think they have a chance to make the tournament at that point. And, and your two losses being at Auburn, at Kentucky, and then you beat Auburn at home, you beat Florida. You know, it involves some... A really tough set of games. There is still a small chance. I think more likely than not, Tennessee is just not a tournament team this year. You just they've kind of gotten too much in a hole with with dumb losses to Texas A and M and Mississippi State and these guys. Games they should have won, they just didn't. Um, so I really want to see this team in the tournament though, just because I can ah. see Vescovi being that guy that nobody else in the country really knows who he is, and he's you know in the tournament on a Friday afternoon, people watching him like, who who in the world is this guy? Where yeah, this guy's going off is for he... 30 points yeah. against I mean, Gonzaga. Could, What's happening? <laughs> I could see that happening. And and yeah. They just gotta, you know, it, it's it's possible, you know. Yeah, like may, maybe. Because cause you do have it lines up it's really tough 
But for the exact scenario that I was describing, it lines up decently. Not well, but decently. You're at South Carolina, then you have Vanderbilt at home. Should, should win both of those. Tennessee has already beaten both of those teams. Vanderbilt is playing pretty good right now. South Carolina is okay. Um, At Auburn, let's chalk that one up to a loss. At Arkansas, you just whipped them, but... Maybe they come back angry. Bud Walton is a really hard place to win. Then you have Florida at home. Got to win that one. At Kentucky, chalk that one up to a loss. And then if you beat Auburn at home uh, to end the season, that's a really good tournament-level win um, that could kind of round things out and, and be nice and then maybe win a couple in the SEC tournament. And the possibility is there. Possibility. Um, and I'm exactly with you. I want to see them so bad in the tournament because they really are. They're kind of set up to be a surprise. Just like, whoa, what is this Tennessee team? They got like 12 losses. What are they doing here? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it would be fun to watch, but I have this feeling that it's, they're going to end up losing a game, a couple of games. They shouldn't like they have been. And then yep. they're going to show up and win at Kentucky just to make everybody mad. <laughs> or, or, I can just yeah. feel that happening. Lose, lose and they, the could, South- they could do it. I mean, yeah, the way like that they this... played against Kansas, I mean they they could beat Auburn at Auburn. I mean they could mm. they they're capable of doing it. Yeah, I think Cap- they will, capable. But... Yeah, I mean I I just I could definitely see I could see them like getting one of those games at Auburn or at Kentucky, and then they lose at Arkansas to ruin it. You know, yeah. and then it just frustrate even more frustrating. Yeah, because you Hopefully... won that game. And... Just it, you know, just win, just win, baby. That's all, all it comes down to. Just win. Well, we're we're running long here. That has been the show, Zach. This has been a, a great episode. Another absolutely ridiculous week in the land of Tennessee sports. It's never dull. Yeah, can't uh, wait to see what happens in the next six days, seven days. So yeah, we'll and, and even something will happen. So with without a doubt. Something will happen, and even if it if it doesn't, I mean, we have stuff all already backlogged that we're going to talk about that we were talking about off air even before we started recording this. Uh, but a, a, another great episode in the books. I am Charlie Burris. That is A to Z Sports uh, Tennessee writer Zach Reagan. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the show. If you like what we're doing here and you want more of it, iTunes, Spotify, A to Z Sports podcast feed, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. You can find all the nonsense at all of those places. And that is pretty much it. We thank you so much for joining us. Zach, any parting thoughts? Uh, let's just wait and see what happens this week and uh, see what kind of madness, madness occurs over in uh, Rocky Top there. Exactly. That's the way that it goes. All right. right. That's it for us. We'll see you next time.